What's up, everybody? Welcome to Keeping It 9450, codename WBB. I'm your host, Daniel Artes. I got Kate out with me today. Kate out, what's going on, brother? How you doing, man? What's up? Hey, yo, what up? What it is? What's popping? Everything's all good. I can't wait to get right into the conversation. We got a great special guest. It's going to be incredible. And again, just can't wait to get into the conversation, man. Let's go. Yeah, most definitely. And this is actually our second installment of our podcast series, Hoopers Unheld. This is a series basically where we give players their flowers in person. Well, on Zoom for now. And we're also live on Twitter Spaces as well. So shout out to all the listeners. We appreciate y'all for y'all support. We have a special guest tapping with us. And y'all got to bear with me as I roll out this red carpet real quick. She played four years. <laughs> yeah, she played uh, four years at Stanford. And then in her WNBA career, she played for the Indiana Fever, the Atlanta Dream, the Minnesota Lynx, and the Washington Mystics. And she's also a multiple gold medal winner playing for Team USA and 5-on-5 action and three-on-three action in her high school days. And she now has a thriving podcast, which I'm very interested in talking about, where she talk about a plethora of topics like motherhood, faith, the food overseas, which I can definitely relate to, and then some. And so everybody, our special guest is none other than Erica McCall. Erica, thank you for joining us on this podcast. And how are you doing this evening? Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. It's, it's really cool to hear because my podcast, I get to roll out, like you said, the red carpet and give people their flowers. So it's pretty cool to be on the other side of it. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Man. It was I'm, like I said, I'm a fan of your show. And I was like, I, I got to reach out and see if I can get on the show. And then I seen that you had Brittany. And I also know that you're really accessible on Twitter. So I was like, let me reach out. Let's get her on the show real quick. And then that's funny because our previous guest, Brittany Sykes, you had her on your show. Really dope show and had a lot of laughs. You guys talking about the draft situation and things of that sort. So we really appreciate you tapping in with us, man. We really do. Thank you once again and everything. Kata, anything you want to add, brother? Yeah, again, just simply incredible. Honestly, I first met you when we were going through the pandemic and we were on Clubhouse and everything. And you was just going through, just talking about how how everything was going on during the pandemic. And I think that I gravitated towards you because you're so positive. You have a great spirit. And I always loved being in spaces where you were talking. And I think it was with Christina Williams when Clubhouse was real popping. You know what I'm saying? It's just incredible to actually speak to you now, even though it's through Zoom, but I feel like we're still speaking in person. So it's definitely a great opportunity to speak with you. And I can't wait to talk more about what you have going on. Thank you. Yeah, that was throwback. I like to call Christina the queen of Clubhouse because she was she had everything popping. She was on there every night getting something going. So thank yeah. you. I didn't remember that Clubhouse. But yeah, I like to consider myself a positive person. So I'm glad that that you felt that vibe as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's just recap the Commissioner's Cup real quick. Las Vegas, they won a wire-to-wire game last night over Chicago, 83, 93-83, winning the trophy, winning the $500,000. Chelsea Gray was MVP, had a great game, solid floor game, especially in the second half. Kelsey Plum hitting six threes. Asia Wilson, what more can you say about her? 17.17 rebounds, six blocks, two assists, two steals. But really, honestly, just a quick recap, it. the game was pretty much over in the first minute and 58 of the first quarter, to be honest, man. And Vegas jumping out on them early, making the sky pay for those turnovers. 
And Chicago really couldn't make a shot. They was 0 for 8 on the, from 3 in the first quarter. But like I said, it was a fun game, though. Chicago, they did try to make it interesting. They defended really well after the mishaps in the first quarter. And they started making their shots, too. And if we're being honest, I think this game, the way um, Chicago came out, trailing 13 to 0, then 27 to 5. If they had more urgency at the start, this game would have been different. But after all of that, Chicago won every quarter and tied the fourth quarter the rest of the way. They actually won by nine points. And then the sky themselves, they won on a couple of runs to cut the deficit to single digits, early 8-0 run, and then another 10-0 run in the second quarter, then quick 14-5 run to get it to within under 10 points. So I think going forward, yes, this loss sucks for Chicago, but they can also say, hey, when it matters, we will be there. We can play with this team, but we just can't shoot ourselves in the foot versus an offensive power like Vegas, especially giving up open threes to Kelsey Plum, who hit four in a row in the first quarter. And it was just like that. What's your thoughts on Erica on that game? I've always been a fan of the of a cup because truly the WNBA took this idea from overseas. I was trying to explain this to somebody that overseas Every league within, within a different country has a cup. So cups are always exciting overseas. And that doesn't necessarily, the game doesn't matter, but man, it's bragging rights and money. And so I was really happy to see that the league brought the cup to America. So it's always an exciting game for me to watch. And he said like, the game was over within the first minute 58. And I was having trouble logging in with my Amazon account. And I logged in with two minutes and 20 seconds <laughs> into the game. And it was like 14-0. I'm like, dang. <laughs> Everybody talking about, okay, thanks. I'm like, dang, like the game just started. Let me see what everybody's talking about. I'm like, dang, it was like 14-0. And I'm like, it's going to be hard for them to come back. But I also was very interested to see how Chicago was going to respond because they had just beat Vegas off of down 30. So I'm like, anything is possible with this Chicago team. They try to make it interesting, but ultimately every time they try to strike back, Vegas was just Kelsey Plum hit a three, Asia hitting the turnaround jumper, or Chelsea is passing this dime down the court that's just completely deflating. So... It was a tough battle. I'm really interested to see how this is going to go down to the playoffs. Everyone's saying this is a finals. I had Rebecca Gardner on my uh, on my podcast, and she's saying she thinks it's a finals preview. Mm. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, you can never count out Candace Parker in the way that she plays, especially when she's got her mindset that I'm about to win this game. She is a beast. So tough game for Chicago, but luckily it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So Vegas and uh, my dog, uh, Teresa Playson's TP, she went ahead and got 30000 so I hyped her up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that extra money is definitely needed, especially uh, shout out to the rookies or even the ones that's like, that basically doubled up yesterday and everything. <laughs> so that's pretty dope. Go ahead, Kata. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And one thing that definitely stood out to me was, uh, and I spoke about this earlier in Christina Williams' Women's Sports Wednesday, Chelsea Gray, a very pivotal part of this game was Chelsea Gray being able to control the offense. A lot of times when we saw the aces and they get into this funk, it was always a case where I think they would rush too much. And I think last night just told a different story because Chelsea Gray was able to just control the game and make very key shots when Chicago was making runs. And I thought that was very important. And I think that should be something that the Aces look for going out the rest of the season, especially when they get out on a run that they got out on. One thing about the Aces this year is they've always started hot. And if you start hot, it's always a case where you always want to try to maintain that and 
there's been times where the Aces couldn't maintain it, but last night they definitely did, even though Chicago won three of the four quarters going the rest of the way. But it's definitely something that the Commissioner's Cup MVP was able to do. And I thought that was real, real interesting. And again, that's something that we need to look forward to throughout the rest of the season. So I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting to see. And the dominance in Asia Wilson, of course, 17 points, 17 rebounds, two steals, two assists, six blocks. That was incredible. She was on a mission. And I thought that was real impressive the way that they were able to sustain the lead and keep it throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, most most definitely. I don't know. Maybe it's just me as a hooper and everything and been in situations like that. And Erica, you just being a professional player yourself. I just think that Chicago, like I said, shot themselves in the foot. I don't think Vegas defense was all of that last night. You know what I mean? I just think that they just hit shots. And you know how it is playing pro. Those type of leagues don't even mean nothing in the first quarter, first half. And like Vegas, their issue is like they really got to get a bench. I would say this. I don't know. I don't know who would agree. Move Derrica Hamby back to the bench. You know what I'm saying? So they could have some type of even it out a little bit or whatever, because they obviously, when Becky Hammond got there, they didn't do nothing to show up their bench. They just basically played, paid their core to stay even longer and stuff like that, which next season, I think that Vegas will be dangerous because obviously we know they got bench issues and they're going to show that bench up next season. But I just think that it's not even, I wouldn't even consider it a demotion though. You know what I mean? For Hamby to go back to the bench. I think that's a player that you don't run play for, plays for, that's trying to run plays for. And uh, I was saying it earlier, she's more, if you want to compare, like a Sean Marion type, just hustle, defense, rebounding, just do the dirty stuff to to, to impact winning and everything. So I, like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, the bench is so important, especially when it comes to playoffs. Like you need a bench in order to have a sustaining, successful playoff run. Especially if your starters are playing 30, 35 minutes that it gets tiring and you're definitely going to need a bench to be able to sustain you for that. The Erica coming off the bench, she's what, six player? Did she get it twice? Is it two times she got, I believe? Yeah. We know she's comfortable there. She's able to dominate and bring the energy that the bench really needs, especially for Vegas. And it's tough because they also, too, have to improve their defensive pressure because you can only outscore so many teams for them to be able to figure out what the recipe is and Vegas came out strong. They knew they, that was what they were going to have to do. And listen to a clip of Vegas saying, we're going to have to come and punch them first. Yep. Because if not, <laughs> it's going to be a tough game for them. And that's what they did. And they kept their offense moving and grooving. But if they would have been down 14-0, there was no way that they'll be able to come back just because of Chicago's efficiency. Also, we have to talk about how Chicago was missing Vandersloot, a strong Vandersloot. She was just coming back from having COVID, so she didn't have her best game. And so I think once they get moving together, I think it's going to be really exciting. But like you did say, a bench is so important when it comes to playoffs. So I'm hoping that they figure it out. I've been rooting for Vegas to definitely not when I was playing, but I guess this year I've been rooting for Vegas to, to win it this year just because I've seen Asia go to the, the finals and playoffs time and time again. I just think that she's much deserving of a championship, especially I think she's MVP this season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's MVP. I think I'm thinking that Stewart closed the gap a little bit. And also, you got to give Candace Parker a lot of credit. She's making a nice little run right now, especially with her team, the way they're playing and, and everything. And yeah, and, and also, I, I don't hear nobody giving Kelsey Plum any M- MVP consideration as well. You know what I'm saying? I hear, I hear some. Yeah. But I, hear, I think I hear more pushback <laughs> against it. Really? Um, yeah, more pushback against Plum being MVP. I guess more towards her efficiency. I guess that's what people are more considering. But I think she's a phenomenal player. She's playing her best basketball of her career right now. So yeah. I'll put her in the conversation. Yeah, most definitely. Go ahead, Kate. I know that. Let's move away from the 
the W. Let's get more into uh, Erica and stuff like that. So I know you got some stuff you wanted to ask. So go ahead, brother. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one one thing that I've noticed because one one thing about you, Erica, like you are an incredible basketball player, and I always kind of look at film. I'm a film junkie. I always look at intangibles and you are just simply amazing. So I just have a few questions about your game itself and watching you play. You have just an amazing knack to fill lanes, right? Appropriately, even in the pick and roll or in the pick and pop setting. So my question to you is going into the basketball part of it, because you're so great at filling lanes when I saw you play, especially when you were in Indiana, tell me what type of drills that you've put yourself put yourself in order to gain some of that momentum when you're doing your your pick and rolls, your pick and pops, because you're so like you have incredible footwork, you have incredible, you just have an incredible touch to to put the ball in the basket. So what type of drills and everything that you put yourself through? And I believe that you'll be playing in Spain coming up. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you play, but just tell me what type of drills and everything that you go through to stay sharp when you're in that pick and pop, pick and roll setting, able to control your body and contort it the way that you do, um, you know, when you're playing. Yeah, great question. Last season specifically, I worked a lot on my pick and pop game. I'm just trying to become more efficient in my jump shot. I think I lost that after I left Stanford. Like literally every single day I'm doing screen pick and pops in the middle in the wings. Every single practice, after every single practice, that is my go-to drill. And it's learning how to pop, opening up from the inside, opening up from the outside. It's learning how to have the touch when you come in for a pop with, if it's 10 feet in and then versus 15, which is a completely different shot. Popping from the three, popping in attacking. It's just all different types of drills that I try to execute every single day that allows me to be, I think I'm one of the best rollers at the league. When I was in Washington, the coach actually told me that. And I think the, the rolling comes from the screen. I think we also have to put importance on landing the screen first, because if you don't have a good screen, there's no way you can get open. There's no way that your guards can find you. And so just executing on actually making contact with a defender and opening up at a proper angle. That way my guards can give me the ball. And then it just comes to the finishing drills with that. I try to make sure that I'm doing different finishes. My dad used to always drill that with me. Don't just do a regular layup. We know you can do a regular layup. It's going to be a time where there comes where contact, where you have to shift, where you have to be do counters. And so I'm always mixing up different layup packages when I do all those different drills. We'll be back after a quick break. I'm Chris Stemp. I'm Donnie Stemp. Two brothers on this strange rock hurtling through space. I don't know, man. This rock is in trouble. The Week on Earth is a new podcast on climate change and the state of the planet. We're talking cars, carbon, trees, toilet paper, apocalypse, utopia, and most importantly, human behavior. We need to put the emotion into this story. How do we move from an extractive society to a regenerative society? Pretty twisted. And it gets worse. <laughs> it's changed my entire outlook. From the Peabody Award-winning producer of Netflix's Fantastic Fungi, The Week on Earth, new episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that's that's just incredible because, again, I'm a, and I was a point guard when I played, so that what you said about screening is very important because the way that you screen and in, in, on top of that, the way that the guard uses the screen for you to get yourself open is very important as well. And I just, just saw a few things in film when I was studying you that it was just incredible. Like you would you would have a pick and pop setting where you're 
set you're setting the screen and when you're rolling to the basket like your footwork is just so amazing you were able to just stop on a dime or do one dribble spin with the lefty finish or with a righty finish like it was just so incredible just to watch so I just wanted to know what what type of drills that you did in order to get yourself in that position to be open because in the pros of course momentum is everything and the way you can torture your body in order to stop on a dime that was just incredible when I was watching you in film I just think that when you're looking at the way that you've used that in, in such a way, it's just incredible just to see. But I also want to move over to the defensive end because you're one of the most incredible help side defenders. <laughs> I saw you in Minnesota and there were a couple plays, especially in the bubble where on the weak side, if there was a back, if there was like a, like a, like a backdoor play, you were just able to use your body and just block shots like it was nothing. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. The way you were able to just, just use the floor and cover so much ground on the weak side. So again, is that just like your knack for finding the ball? Or is it just, again, using drills and just using your abilities to watch film and see how that works out for you in order to get those block shots and get those rebounds off the weak side. Like what is your, what's like your secret? I want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I think blocking shots has always come natural to me. And I think that's, a, it's difficult to teach about how to block shots. It is, right. it's timing. So I think it just came natural to me all throughout high school, man. I was blocking shots left and right in high school, man. Yeah. That's really just say it's natural. And for me, I guess I really learned more when I got to Stanford, how to communicate when I'm here with my teammates, if they get beat or if I'm keeping my head on a swivel, as opposed to me just looking in a certain direction, always making sure there's sometimes where I surprise myself, like I'm in help side and shoot. I see the, the offense about to take to the basket and I just go up and block it. And my team was like, thank you so much. But I think, yeah, that just comes with your awareness and your court awareness. And that's something that I learned in college, just being more aware of where I was. The spacing for defense is so important, making sure that I'm not running to my teammates and communication is huge for that. And so I guess with the combination of all of that, plus I really just think that I have just this natural time that, that came with me since birth. A combination between all that has really made me a pretty decent, I say, shot blocker. Yeah, it's pretty decent with a rate with a defensive rating of 100. And even when you were in Minnesota, your defensive rating was at like 95. I'd say that's pretty dope. You know what I'm saying? So, what, Man, what's, you got the basketball junkies. I love it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. We really love the game of basketball. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's we decided just to podcast it and love uplift. It. Uplift the woman, show show the woman some love and let everybody know that, hey, they out here playing two-day pros too. I always tell my friends, man, hey, come to a WNBA practice with me. I guarantee you're going to have new love, new respect for oh, it yeah. uh, when you get oh, yeah. done and stuff. You know? That's a practice, man. That yeah, yeah. Dog. yeah. <laughs> you got to get down. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. And yeah, I went up against Marissa Coleman one time. Yeah, and then I, I ain't look yeah. too good after. I, you know what I'm saying? I was like, damn, you know what? Let me go back to the post players. With, let me bang with Lanetta <laughs> Kaiser and Elena Larkin. I'm staying off the wing because I was, okay. I was getting Okay, so you was cooked. in Indiana, in Indiana for a while. You was, what, what year was that when you were uh, I wasn't. I was in Indiana from, I lived in Indiana for 13 years because my brother played on the Pacers. Okay. So I was out there, but, but with the fever though, I was with them basically for yeah. about, I want to say from 2010 all the way up to 2015. Okay. So you had left right before I had came in. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, so those are the, my vets. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
Indiana, the fever, it's, it's like it hurts right now how they, you know, how they are right now. But yeah. obviously we know they, they're doing the rebuild. They're focusing on the rookies and stuff. But I just, the atmosphere and stuff, the organization was really great. And I just, and also love Lynn Dunn screaming at me, man. I really enjoyed her yelling at me. Was you there? Was she a coach too? Was she a coach? Lynn Dunn was No, she wasn't there. I had a Pokey Chapman on her phone. Oh, catch had just left. So yeah, okay. I had Pokey is a okay. different topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to Pokey Chapman. She, yeah. She's a friend. She's a friend of the network. We love her for sure. Yeah, definitely. We have Pokey on the show. You have Pokey on the show. Isn't Pokey like just Pokey. great? Like she's a really great person to pod. She just keep it. She just keep it a hundred. And it was, it was awesome. She was telling us about, cause this was during Athletes Unlimited. When, when we was talking to her and then she was just like, yeah, sometimes I just wanted to get up and coach, but I couldn't because, yeah. you know, the rules that was there and everything. And she was just like, I don't know if I could do this <laughs> or whatever, yeah. but she stuck it out. Coaches like to have that control and then yes. to pass yes. the control down to the players. Yeah. Sometimes it's like to a head coach, like, like a coach like her, let's, yes. you know what I'm saying? That's Legendary. kind of, give yes. up. <laughs> yeah, but, um. Yeah, I want to trans- transition to your podcast now. And I want to get to your journey into podcasts a little bit, because for those that know me, they know that's my second passion. I love the podcast. I actually have two networks, 265 Media, which have five different podcasts on there. And I personally do three of them by myself. And wow. this podcast is actually, we actually created into a network called the 9450 Women's Basketball Network. So this is this right here now. And we have people covering the Mystics for us, covering the Aces. And we, you know, we always looking for people to contribute, DM us or whatever. But uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast, The Bird's Eye View, True Stories of Professional Basketball. Tell us about it. Oh man, it's a passion of mine as well. I started podcasting like four years ago, maybe. It was called Birds of Word Podcast. It was more based upon pop culture, like shade room type. And so one, I started it while I was overseas. That was extremely hard. The connection overseas is just, it's difficult to work with, especially when you have guests. It's extremely hard. And I, I was doing it on things that I enjoy reading about, but I wasn't really passionate about. So I didn't really have the passion talking about it. So I really only did three, four episodes. A couple of years later, passed by, I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast again. I want to do something I'm like actually passionate about and educate people on. It's something that people want to know about. So I'm do a podcast on overseas basketball. And every time, everywhere I go somewhere, everyone's like, Erica, what's overseas? What's food like? The travel like? The coach is like? All that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast on that. In season one, that's what I did. Each episode focused on a different element of overseas. So like you talked about, it was focused on food, faith, coaching, relationships, motherhood. When this season, we gone away from that theme, but just focused just on the players themselves. And like you're doing now, giving flowers and just asking about their basketball journey. And it's been so fun, man. I I enjoy every single episode and the excitement I have from the fans and actually fans are actually tuning in each week and telling me that they really enjoy the show. It's super fun. I know you guys probably feel the same feeling when you get some comments saying people like, Hey man, you know, I love the show. I'm like, ah, it just means like what you're doing is worth something to people. And that's the best feeling of it all. I think the best feeling for me was when I, I was I called a school. I won't say the school's name because I'm trying to podcast, get one of them, get a coach, <laughs> a top coach <laughs> on a podcast. And uh, I was talking, I was like, yeah, Daniel, I just got, and it was like, oh yeah, we heard of you, we heard of your show and stuff. You have an amazing show. And I was like, oh, clutch my pearls <laughs> real quick. Let me grab my pearls real quick. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Just tell that coach, I said, whenever she want to come on, she's more than welcome. We ain't got no, we ain't got no time limit. Just we here, yeah. just keep us in the back of your mind or whatever. So like when we get the love and stuff, when we get the love on social media, like when we had Brittany, Brittany Sykes on the show, who was actually your previous guest too as well. Like everybody was, that was probably like our biggest moment, you know what I mean? On the, on the show, especially now that we doing it on Twitter spaces and everybody get to hear us now yeah. live and direct. And so we got a lot of great reviews and love from that. So yeah, definitely the outpouring of love. Though, is it really stands out because it makes us want to do shows like we've been knocking out shows like crazy and i'm like hey that we can't stop we gotta go 
all the way. Yeah, I feel it. We can't, I feel we can't it. stop. We got to keep on just going. So like we started this Hoopers Unheld segment where we're giving players flowers. We show love to Ariel Powers, Lexi Brown, we show love to, then Brittany, now it's you. And we're just going to keep on doing a show like that every day. So we've been having, we've been having a lot of fun with it. But uh, what's your favorite part of basketball and podcasting? Is it like the development as working on the court or like the production? Which one is like more fun for you? Oof, I hate production. That's why I got producers. It's my first time around. I was doing literally everything. I was doing the social media, the production, the editing, all of that. I was doing every single thing. And that took, this sucked the joy out of it for me. And so that time I was like, I'm going to get producers. So I literally just create the content and I run the Twitter, which is so much fun for me. That's probably the most fun that I have is running the Twitter. A lot of people don't know it's me behind, behind the Twitter fingers, but that's probably the most fun for me. But it's just like basketball. It takes from the beginning. It's not going to be the best show. You're going to have tweaks that you need to fix. And it's a process. And that's what I learned with this podcasting journey. It's been a process, but man, each year, each episode, it gets better and better. And just to hear that the guests enjoy themselves. That's always my biggest goal from when I do the shows that the guests have a good time. Cause I've been on some podcasts and I'm like, man, get me out of here. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that the guests have a good time. I try to play a game with them and I try to just uplift them. Like you say, give them the flowers and they always leave saying, Hey man, that was fun. And that's always my biggest goal for that. Yeah, that's crazy. You got a whole producing team. I do all the stuff. I do all the editing. I do the artwork. Ooh, I, I do, I do oh my gosh, writing out the show and stuff. Kate, me and Kate, we do the majority of writing out the shows and everything, but we wear at least 10 hats. And then think about it. I'm I got three, I got three other shows that I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like all the time podcasting, podcasting, podcasting. I really love it. It's just definitely a passion and stuff like that. But yeah. I want to talk about like your, your challenges, like when you're doing this podcast, like the hurdles when you first started. Yeah. My producers, they would, they listen to all my shows, of course, because they have to edit them. Shout out to Mike and Ben of DC Crossover. But they would say like to let the speaker you're speaking let the guests speak because I would always be like okay huh uh-huh like while they're talking yeah um and so it was you know it's kind of I wouldn't say it was hard for the listener but I think it just allows you to really hear the guests speak and just be profound as to me like everyone knows that I'm probably going to agree with what they're saying I don't have to be like yes okay okay yeah. okay and so that was a challenge for me to just sit back and let the guests speak that was a big challenge for me let's see another challenge was Limiting the ums, that's always a challenge for a lot of us. Trying to take as much of those out as we can. Look at me doing it right now. <laughs> and the, the last one is sometimes you don't have the most outgoing guests. And so sometimes it can be difficult to try to pull that out of them. And so that's definitely been a skill that I've been trying to work on is trying to ask some questions that I know that will allow them to actually have fun responding to and something that they can give some analysis to. That's something I've, I'm still working on. I'm only on season two, but I think I've had a natural knack for talking to people. Just something that I've had growing up. I've always wanted to have a talk show and stuff. So I've enjoyed come, talking to people. And I think the biggest takeaway that I've learned from podcasting is just remembering that it's just a conversation. Yeah. So if you're interviewing someone, but at the end of the day, it's just a conversation that allows your guests to become a lot more comfortable with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I love long-winded and I love long answers, man. Long thought out answers because people, some people, I was on a show, I did a show, man, this dude was just like, yeah, no. I was just like, all right, cut it off. <laughs> yeah. right, we, we just move on. But like the last podcast question, uh, but not knowing just what you know about it, what's the biggest lesson you learned, you know what I mean, from being a podcaster? Woo. Probably the biggest lesson is that I want to make a career out of this thing. Yes. 
that's this is something that I truly enjoy that I love to do every single episode is a joy for me and for me to come up with the questions and it's fun to always see how creative I get sometimes I surprise myself I'll be like typing my outlines like what (laughs) that's nice (laughs) (laughs) and so that's the biggest thing man I truly love to do this so when the ball stops bouncing for me this was something an an avenue that I definitely want to continue on it's definitely it adds to my portfolio of of things that I can do when I want to go out and maybe get into analysis sports analysis or newscasting sports casting whatever that may be this is a beautiful outlet for me to show people that I have the skills and the ability to be able to converse with people yeah, definitely. Hey, we share the same, we share the same dreams, man, making this full time, man. Like this is, this is it. I love it. I really do love it, man. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for answering those podcast questions. I appreciate Absolutely. that. So as we wind on show, wind the show down, just want to let everybody know on, on Twitter spaces for y'all, if y'all want to have a quick Q and A, just request, and we're going to get into that in a second. So just request, if y'all want to ask questions, y'all more than welcome to ask questions. So just please send the request up, but uh, back to you, Erica, you've come from a, basically a basketball family, you, your brother, Justin, who just currently just signed a contract to go play ball and your sister, Dewana Bonner, which I did not know that. <laughs> now, disclaimer, I just started covering the W like full time since 2021 last year. So <laughs> I did not know that, like what that was your sister. So that's actually pretty, that's pretty cool. So how was it growing up in a house like that? You're just full of people that just love the game. <laughs> oh man, it's, it was a lot of fun. My sister, me and my sister didn't grow up in the same household. Okay. She grew up in Alabama. Um, oh, okay. Me and my brother grew up in California. We're exactly eight years apart. Fun fact, a lot of people don't know we have the same birthday too. Yeah. So there was never like a lot of competition between me and her. Honestly, like me and her didn't play against each other until like my second or third year in the league because she was like pregnant my first year in the league. Oh, and so like we never played one-on-one or anything like nothing like that. So I just learned a lot from her, just watching her play, like going to her games when they would play the Sparks and come down to LA or Phoenix. So any close game we would try to go to, that's where I learned how to play watching my sister. And then me and my brother, now we had some battles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had some battles. I'm four years older than him. I was dunking on him left and right. We had a little basket. I was dunking on left and right. Then <laughs> most recently during the pandemic, we played ones, me, my dad, my brother, and my brother's best friend. And man, his first dunk on me, I think, I just think he just let out a, a, a scream. Ah, I finally got her. It's been embarrassing, but it's a lot of fun. And then my dad still plays. He's 50 plus. He's probably gonna hate me saying that, but the man still gets up and down with us and he's, he can beat us sometimes. We got him finally, but it's a lot of fun coming from a basketball family. We, we love what we do. Our family mantra is in the blood because man, we all love this game. Yeah, that's what's up. And me and my brother Meadow, our birthday's on the same day too. Just okay. three years, okay. three years apart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand, man. You know, yeah, I love that. That's I, I totally understand. The only thing I don't like about it is that they'll throw the big birthday party or whatever. I'm just like, yo, I'm over here. What up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Show me some love or whatever. But yeah, that's cool. Like, I, I never, like like you, I never played around ones like that or whatever. We never really had a sibling rivalry in the house and things. Maybe because <laughs> it was one of 17 in the Artist household and got yeah. 11 brothers and sisters. We deep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and everything like that. But yeah, go ahead, Kate. I've got anything you want to ask. So yeah, I like to get into a little bit of a little bit of culture, a little bit of fashion. And my biggest thing is sneakers. I love sneakers. I love the actual way of playing, playing the sneakers. So I just want to hear like your top three sneakers to hoop in. Sneakers for me is all about comfort, it's all about style. If you were to pick Three sneakers to actually hoop in. What would those three, what would those three be? Oh, I am not a sneakerhead. I'll find something that I'm comfortable with and stick with it. And most recently, <laughs> so number one, I'll say Kyrie's. I don't know 
what number or anything. I just say I hoop in Kyrie's. That's just been really good for my foot over time. Like I try to hoop in KD's and LeBron's really bad for my feet. So Kyrie's have been really good for my feet. And most recently I tried out PG's. I really like his shoes. They're really comfortable for me. And lastly, I'm going to just go way throwback because man, I was hooping in these shoes. I'm going to say some hyper dunk. Which ones? Which hyper dunks? Oh, man. I don't, Just give me the year. I don't know which ones you take. It's like 2012. Yep. At the top, I thought burned a hole in those shoes. I <laughs> yeah. them so much, man. I, those are my favorite shoes ever. Hyperdunks, man. Throwbacks. Love those. Yeah. Yeah. The Hyperdunks was dope. The Hyperdunks was dope. Adidas been stepping up with their comfort, comfortable shoes yeah. now, too, as well. So they put Ultra Boost uh, technology in their shoes and stuff. I got a little couple of pairs. Not 2013, when we was at McDonald's All American, our feet were throbbing. Mm. <laughs> They were hard as a rock, so it's pretty cool to see them transform. <laughs> but yeah, we got one person though that's one actual question. Hey, Nathan, what's going on? Nathan Snell, he covers the Mystics. I got Nathan Snell. Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. He's with us. He's with us. He's part of the network and stuff. Yo, Nathan, go ahead. Ask your question, brother. Go ahead. Hey, Erica, how are you? What's good, Nate? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, my question for you is um, this like past college women's basketball college season. There's a lot of you know, young young women that transfer uh, to many many schools. Do you feel like that's a trend going forward for women's basketball in college? Yeah, great question. I do think it's I, I don't want to call it a trend, but I just do think people are going to be more comfortable transferring now. They don't have a penalty. A lot of the years before that, you had to sit out a year, and that was causing a lot of people to wait out and see how their options were. But versus now, you can leave whenever you want. Now, it, it is going to make it more difficult for players who are bubble-like players or on the bubble because everyone, the transfer portal is booming right now. And it's hard to find, find a good fit for you because there are so many people in the transfer. And if your name doesn't really stick out, it can be difficult for you to get lost in that transfer portal. And so I think that kind of is going to put people back into considering about transferring. But this just is what it is in this new age. Before then, transferring was looked down upon. And now I think it's, I don't think it's going to be praised. I just think it's, it's going to be a part of the new normal for this generation. Yeah. So now speaking of the new normal, we got the NIL deals. I know you wish you probably was around yeah. during that era and stuff, man. Getting those, get, everybody getting the bag right now. So what's your thoughts on that? If you was, let's just say college star right now, and obviously we know the WNBA, they need to pay to pay players more, obviously. And let's just say you were top pick, at projected top pick. Would you come out? to go play in the W or would you just stay, get that extra NIL money? I think for me, yes, I would definitely go to the league just because it's been a dream of mine. It's hard. Sometimes all money ain't good money. Sometimes you got to go for your dreams. And so I think I definitely would have went to the league. It's also, if you stay longer, you can get injured. Then your, yeah. your draft stock goes down. Yeah. Um, there's pluses and minus to it all. But for me personally, I think I would have went to the league growing up. I'd watch my sister playing and I know what the ins and outs of the league are of course I learned a lot being in the league but I've known all about it growing up I know we ain't gonna get paid like that but shoot it's been my dream to be here so I don't really care how much I'm gonna make <laughs> I'm gonna be in the league that's real that's real Kata you want anything to add brother yeah so one last question for me and I always predicate myself on making sure that we show love to all of our grassroots players that are out there tell me what your thoughts are as far as the grassroots level 
in making sure that someone like you or any other WNBA player or star makes sure that the on the grassroots level, they continue to recognize the WNBA players. Because for example, sometimes you get some grassroots stars where you ask them their favorite player. And the first thing they want to say is your NBA player. And it's not necessarily a WNBA player. When it comes to grassroots level and making sure that we keep the pressure on making sure that the grassroots stars are recognizing the WNBA players. What are your thoughts on making sure that you continue that kind of quote unquote mentorship and making sure that the grassroots level is staying prominent so that when they do play in the WNBA, it's something more than just like not just recognizing the WNBA stars, just more just making sure that you guys are known. Yeah. I think it's very important. I preach this on my podcast, but when I ask my guests who is their favorite player growing up or W player growing up. I love that they can list them out like that. It's so important because how are you going to be able to succeed if you do not watch what you'll be playing in? It can be very difficult to see the players that you're playing against, see the style of play of what the WNBA is going to be like. If you don't, it's going to be a tough transition. So it's of huge importance. For me, I had just had, I had the benefit of watching my sister in person. So you know, I had that that bonus of seeing that league where the league goes. I see my sister watch the championship. I got to see her pop bottles back there. So that was a beautiful experience for me. And, and for if I think that if players were to see things like that, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the locker room. But for you to see things like that, man, it allows your motivation to skyrocket. And so I think and that makes for a better player. So that's it's just a huge importance. I think players should definitely watch the league more. A lot of people are preaching on that. The league has fans, but they're missing a fan base. And I think that 18 to 24 year old fan base, maybe even younger, I'll say 16 to 24 year old fan base of females, they're missing that. And so if they can get that or some way to promote, even club coaches telling teams to watch games or bringing them to, to, to games can definitely help their exposure and, and getting to know the league more. And so that's my take on it. Yeah, I truly agree with you. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Jaslyn Rhodes and Tamia Watkins. Those are some players right now that are that's in the grassroots level and they always talk about their, their favorite players being in the being in the W. And I just wanted to give them a shout out because that's important and it's very important to me because we always get into that that habit of always asking our girl or women players. Yeah, who's your favorite player? And it's it's the LeBrons, the KDs. We never say it's the Erica McCall's, the Dewana Bonners of the world. And I, I wanna I wanna shed more light for that so that you all can be recognized. And this is why we're giving you your flowers the, the way you deserve. We want to recognize you as a hooper and, and an unhailed hooper as we continue this on. So I definitely appreciate everything that you're doing for this game. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Most most definitely. Applause, real quick. <laughs> You gotta give you some love. Yes, yes, yes. Most definitely. So just tell everybody, we're about to close out. So just tell everybody how they can reach you, where they can find your podcast, wherever they consume their content at. For sure. You can follow me. This is where I do this, my closing of my show. So I'm gonna do my closing. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at birds, the word underscore 24. You can follow my podcast, Birds Eye View, on Instagram at birdseyeview.pod. On Instagram, on Twitter, you can find me at, or the podcast at the number one bird's eye view. We get a lot of hits, a lot of interaction. And of course, if you just want to go listen to the podcast, you can find us bird's eye view on Instagram, on Spotify and Apple. And uh, we also do post our shows on YouTube. I don't really publicize that much, but if you guys want to check out the visual, that's on YouTube as well.
Okay, definitely. So yeah, with that being said, thank you. Thank you very much for everybody that's listening all over for tuning into uh, Keeping the 9450 Codename WB, part of the 9450 Women's Basketball Network. Don't forget to follow us at the 9450WBB on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to follow KDOT at K.Low3H on Instagram and Twitter and me, your favorite personal on-demand broadcaster on at the the DR Test Pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. And with that being said, that's KDOT. We got Erica McCall here. Thank you. I'm Daniel Artest. Love is love. Peace out. Peace out.